Good morning, good morning. We welcome you here to the Roanoke Salem Missionary Baptist Church located in beautiful Northampton County, just a mile outside of the wonderful town of Garysburg. Our, our motto here at Roanoke Salem is the end of your search for a friendly church, and we do our very best to live up to that motto. It is the first Sunday in February in 2021, and we are just pleased that the Lord has allowed us to see this new day. We have a mission statement here at Roanoke-Salem. It comes from the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 28, verses 19 through 20. It says, Go ye therefore and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. Amen. Our opening selection this morning will be the, what is commonly called the Negro National Anthem, Lift Every Voice and Sing. all the glory. We thank uh, Steve and Marvin and Elijah for 
playing and singing the Negro National Anthem for us. This is in the month of February, as most people who care to know know that February is considered um, Black History Month here in the United States of America, and that's really kind of a misnomer because black history is, is 365. Uh, black, the, the contributions of African Americans and others, but specifically African Americans, you know, is a year-round celebration. But be that as it may, uh, we are grateful to have a, a, a time that we set aside in the nation to recognize and honor and praise and rightly celebrate both the past and current achievements of so many wonderful and great uh, African Americans that are making this nation try to live up to uh, what the Constitution and the promises of what it's always supposed to have been. So thank you so much. I certainly also want to just take time to quickly uh, recognize uh, and thank April and Derek and Jazz me for being here on this morning, uh, making sure that this broadcast goes forth. We're missing Ricky, uh, but Ricky will be back with us soon. I'll give you an update on Deacon Hardy. He is doing much better over these past two weeks, so we just continue to thank God for Sonny uh, Woodrow Hardy Jr., who is our minister of music and normally here in the sanctuary with us on Sunday mornings as well. Uh, by way of welcome, welcome to all of you who are watching and listening uh, whether you're on our conference line, some of you are now watching through Facebook. We say hello, and I say hello to the Roanoke Salem Missionary Baptist Church family. We say hello to those who are from our immediate area or around the state, those who are maybe watching from outside of the state of North Carolina. We're so blessed and honored that you would make time on this Sunday morning to worship the Lord here with us. I want to quickly make sure that I do, in fact, say happy birthday to all the folks who have birthdays in the month of February. We, we love you, we thank God that this is your particular month, so whatever your specific birthday is, or birth date is, uh, we, we honor you and we celebrate you in the month of February. Um, I and certainly wanna just quickly personal privilege and say happy birthday to Julia, my wife. Today is her birthday. Amen. Amen. So I thank the Lord that um, 31 plus years ago, he brought us together. We've been married for over 31 years. We thank God for our daughter, Lauren, who we were able to spend some time with on yesterday. And thank all of you for your well wishes and continued prayers uh, for Julia, myself, and Lauren. We, we really, truly appreciate it. We cannot tell you how much we, we love you in the love of the Lord, and we appreciate it. I, I wanna just, um, because it is Black History Month, I want to, on uh, every Sunday, just share something really, really um, short about black history. So today I'm just gonna share uh, three or four facts. Some of these you may know, and some you may not. And of course, again, over the next three Sundays, uh, every Sunday we will share something related to black history. But I, w I wonder if some of you all know the name of Marie Van Britten Brown. Marie Van Britten Brown. Um, this Miss Brown 
was a full-time nurse, and she is credited with having uh, invented the first home security system. Amen. So uh, if you don't know that name, keep that name in your mind. Marie Van, V-A-N, Britton Brown. Then I also want to share with you really quickly, there is a uh, organization that has become somewhat infamous over the history of, of, of their existence, but in the reality, they, they really were and, and are still a, a community-based and a, a civil rights and social justice advocacy group. Uh, the Black Panthers that started out in California, Oakland, California years ago, and like I said, because of a lot of different events that happened over time back in the uh, 70s and all when they were at the height of their, their uh, movement, uh, the Black Panthers got a bad name, and I think mostly unfairly and unjustly. But they started out, the whole idea of convening this group of, of the, organiz the, the organizers, the leaders, was to create a community group that would address the needs of the most impoverished and the most needy uh, of the black communities in their area. And some of the things they did, uh, they were able to provide free dental care to children for a period of time. They, they provided free breakfast for kids uh, in different communities. And they also uh, were able to have drama classes taught in the communities. And these were things they did, just some of the things they did. They, they also protected the communities from folks coming in, uh, trying to abuse or take advantage of the, of the elderly or the seniors in any way. And, and the Black Panthers had, in fact, uh, their, the, the goal was, the principal, uh, principles of the organization was to be a positive, um, black-lifting, black-affirming organization. And so uh, we can choose to dwell on some of the, uh, the infamous things and some of the things that happened that got them in trouble with the law, and those are factual events. We can't deny that those things happened. But we can also choose to look at and celebrate the very good things that they did, and there were many, so that's what we're doing on this morning. Some of you may remember the name Shirley Chisholm, and if you're a person under probably 30 years old, you may or may not know her name. But if you don't know the name Shirley, Shirley Chisholm, please remember her name. Shirley Chisholm, uh, an African-American woman, ran for the Democratic nomination to become president back in 1972. In 1972, she was already a congressperson, but she ran to win the Democratic nomination to then be the Democratic candidate for president in 1992. Of course, she did not win. But, but I mean, she was a trailblazer. Um, you know, we talk about Hillary Clinton, and now, of course, we're so proud that uh, Kamala Harris uh, is in the White House as the first a woman vice president, the first uh, African-American and Asian and, and I think Indian, several cultures that, she's, that, that are part of her heritage. But long before any of those trailblazers, long before them, uh, uh, there was Shirley Chisholm way back in 1972. And, and an interesting thing, during that year that she was running to win the Democratic nomination so that she could then run for president as the Democratic candidate. She, there were three assassination attempts against her life, and, and she uh, was able to survive three failed assassination attempts. So the Lord was with her and protected her during, uh, while she made that historic 
uh, run for the nomination for the Democratic Party. And finally, something more, a little bit more current. Uh, of course, many of us, whether we're sports fans or not necessarily, we know the name Kobe Bryant. He's been in the news in the last year and a half. Tragically, he and his daughter and, and several other people lost their lives tragically uh, more than just over a year ago in a uh, helicopter accident. But Kobe Bryant is considered one by many basketball fans, one of the top five basketball players in the, in the history of the National Basketball Association. Uh, but also outside of basketball, when he retired from basketball in 2018, Kobe Bryant became the first athlete and the first black person to win an Oscar in the category of Best Animated Short Film. Kobe Bryant was, in 2018, the first athlete and the first black person to win an Oscar and Academy Award uh, in the category of Best Animated Short Film for a, a short film, a short story that he is credited as help, helping write and produce called Dear Basketball. So outside of his accomplishments uh, as a, a tremendous, uh, just great basketball player, Kobe Bryant used the God-given intelligence that he had, and he also uh, became someone who became highly recognized and a trailblazer uh, in the world of entertainment beyond sports. So I just want to share those facts with you today, and as I say, during the month of um, February on every Sunday, we'll have some black history facts that we will share with you. I certainly want to um, remind us now that you have been so gracious and continue to be so gracious uh, in paying your tithes and offerings. First of all, to our church family, thank you, thank you, thank you for honoring the Lord and being obedient to his commandment that we bring tithes and offerings into his, his storehouse. And to those of you who are not members, we thank you as well because some of you give uh, also to this, this work and this ministry. So we thank you so much and ask you if you will continue uh, giving as the Lord would lead you to give. You have three ways, of course, that you can share your tithes and offerings. First of all, uh, those who live in the area, you can come to the church Monday, Wednesday, or Friday between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m., and there will be somebody here, usually it's Miss Jean Sykes. Uh, she will be here most of the time to receive your tithes and offerings if you want to drop them off. Secondly, you may mail them. <clears throat> you may mail them to P.O. Drawer Z, Garysburg, North Carolina, 27831. P.O. Drawer Z, Garysburg, North Carolina, 27831. And then you also have uh, the opportunity to give online. You have the opportunity to give online if you so choose, and many of you take advantage of that opportunity. Uh, we have our own uh, church webpage, which is rsmbc.com, rsmbc.com. When you click on that and, you, and our homepage opens up, at the top of the page, you'll see several tabs, and one of those tabs across the top says giving. If you will click on that tab that says giving, that page will open up, and then you will be uh, instructed as to how you can make a donation uh, online using uh, our Tithely app. So again, thank you so much. Whichever way you choose to give, we just thank you that you're honoring the Lord with tithes and offerings. Remember, 
all the resources of the world, all of them, and all the resources we personally possess, they're not ours. They belong to the Lord anyway. So, and especially when it comes to, to financially, we're just simply giving back to the Lord a small portion of what rightfully already belongs to him. So I just want to say that on again this morning. Thank you for your giving. We're going to um, now have the morning prayer. And um, <clears throat> before we have the morning prayer, I just want to say really quickly that I heard something as I was driving here this morning that got me thinking about the whole fact of, you know, here we are now almost approaching a year since um, the, the, the government, the various state governors, and, and even at the federal level, we were told that we uh, could not assemble together. At one point, it was we couldn't come together at all in churches, and then governors and mayors began to relax that and say, well, yeah, you can have people back inside the church buildings, but you have to limit the amount of people and you have to space them out and all the protocols that we are supposed to be using. And of course, some people have been very offended by that. Some Christians have been highly offended and, you know, they're trying to take our rights away and, and all kind of things. And I, I don't really want to get into that this morning. I just want to say this to everybody. First of all, remember, assembling ourselves together does not have to be necessarily inside of a building because when we met on the parking lot like many churches did or still do we're assembling together uh, when we are able to get online or get on a conference call we're not physically together but we are still assembling ourselves together for the purpose of learning and hearing and praising and worshiping our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ I want to point that out but secondly we have to make, and here at Roanoke-Salem, we're trying to make good decisions, uh, the deacons and myself, around what's the best way to handle this situation. Even if we were to open the church doors back up and, and ask people to come, we know there are a certain number of our congregation members that would not come right now because they are concerned about their health and exposing themselves to the COVID virus. They haven't been vaccinated yet, and, and we understand that. Uh, so... Until such time as we feel uh, that the tide has turned enough that, that we're comfortable, we're not necessarily waiting on the governor or, or anybody else to say so, but until we feel that the tide has turned by us checking the state numbers and the local numbers as far as COVID spread and infection in Northampton County, we'll continue on with this way. Now, prayerfully, you know, by late March and early April, the weather will begin to warm up again enough that we can come back to parking lot services if we're not back in the church. But a time will come, I do believe, when we'll be able to get back together uh, inside this sanctuary and over in the fellowship hall, and we thank the Lord for that. But until that time, do not be discouraged, and don't let people discourage you. This is not about somebody trying to stop Christians from getting together and to effectively closed churches. I, I don't believe that for a second. This is about, based on science and technology, medical science and technology, which comes from the Lord, us using our best judgment about how we can keep people safe. And of course, you using your own common sense and intelligence about what you think is best to keep you safe. And, and, and I understand that. I certainly understand that. So don't be discouraged. Keep praying and asking the Lord to rid us of the COVID virus or to let the vaccines 
uh, work the way they're supposed to and, and get uh, enough people vaccinated where we can feel comfortable again about having people around each other with at least, you know, 50, 60 or higher percentage of the folks who are back inside having received their vaccines and, you know, having that extra level of protection. But that day is going to come, church family. That day will come. In the meantime, remember, serving the Lord, praising the Lord, worshiping the Lord in spirit as well as in truth. That's important. So don't be discouraged. I know I miss my church family. Many of you tell me the same thing. But we'll be back together soon. In the meantime, just keep believing the Lord that that day is coming sooner rather than later. Father, in your name, Jesus, as we pray this morning, we just simply worship you, honor you, we adore you, we give you praise, honor, and glory because it's right that we do so. Hallelujah to your name, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Lord, on this Sunday morning, the first Sunday in February, I ask you to continue to look down on all humanity with your love and kindness. Lord, I ask you to come into our lives and and, and, and those of us who are saved, Holy Spirit, remind us and renew in us a sense of wanting to live to please you. Renew in us a sense of wanting to live holy. Remind us that Jesus will come back again one day, and we want to be ready when he comes. Oh, Lord, even if uh, we leave this world before he comes back, we want to leave this world in a way that when we stand before Jesus for judgment, we don't have to be ashamed or embarrassed because, first of all, the sins that we've already confessed will be forgiven. But secondly, but we did not die in a compromising situation. We didn't die because of some foolish or wrong or sinful decision that we made, that we just died of natural causes or even if it was an accident, still that nothing that, uh, that, that we had done wrong and we have to be ashamed about. Not talking about whether or not we are saved, Lord. Just talking about wanting to have a place in glory where God will honor us and where we'll be used in his kingdom. For those who are unsaved, Lord Jesus, I'm praying that you'll continue uh, to, to just prick at the hearts of those who are unsaved. Holy Spirit, continue to whisper in their ears and tell them that they need to be saved. There is a power and a force beyond and above human beings. Humanity was created by God, not the other way around. We need to give our lives to Jesus Christ. So for the unsaved, bless them, help them, protect them, Lord, but also remind them daily that until they give their lives to you, Jesus, they are lost and they're lost in their sins. First of all, their souls are lost and we don't want anybody to die and go to hell. And that's not your desire. You said it in your word. But secondly, Lord, they're lost daily right here each day that you allow them to live. Because the best life any of us can live is having a daily relationship with you where we not only trust you, but we do our very best to obey you. And then, Lord, we, we get all the benefits. We get all the benefits uh, that you promised us that will come with those who will seek to serve you faithfully. You said in your word, those who love you are the ones who keep your commandments. So let us be doers and not hearers of your word, Lord, only fooling ourselves. Let revival start within the body of Christ. And then, Lord, use us to draw others into yourself with the help of the aid of the Holy Spirit. Lord, whoever's sick or afflicted this morning, touch and heal. Whoever's depressed, give them joy. Whoever's grieved, comfort them and give them peace. 
whoever's lost spiritually, show them the way, Lord, back to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We will have a sermonic selection now, and we will continue on with service.
want the Lord to help us and the beautiful thing about it is that if we ask him and if we let him he will help us we have free will we can ask the Lord all we want to to help us but then we can decide well Lord you're not moving fast enough Lord you're not doing it the way I want it done and we can take it back over and the Lord will say okay all right all right my son my daughter my brother my sister you you take it and when you're ready for me to handle it I'll be here but if we ask him and we let him then he will honor his promise to never leave us or forsake us, to fight our battles, to supply all of our needs, and to do the impossible because there's nothing impossible with him. And then he says that he will empower us to do all things. So if we let the Lord, he will help us. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Jesus, we thank you now for the opportunity once again to stand in your house of worship, to stand behind this sacred dais and to share what you've given me. I pray, Lord, that you'll uh, let me speak these words with clarity and conviction, and I just please pray that you will be pleased and honored and glorified with this message. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Jesus, is in your name I pray. Amen. Church family and those who are listening, you're our family too. You're our brothers and sisters in Christ. The message this morning is from the book of 1 Peter in the New Testament. Go way, way, way to the right in the, uh, in the Bible over in the New Testament. The book of 1 Peter, the actual, the, the epistle, if you will, of 1 Peter. Uh, chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. 
This is part of a series um, that I'm going to preach in the month of February. I know it will be at least two parts. It probably won't be three parts, but at least two parts. Uh, The series is called Living for Christ. That's the name of the series, Living for Christ. That's the name of this two-part sermon series. Um, The message this morning has a different name, but I'll give you that in just a second. But the series for these two parts are called, the series itself, the two-part series is Living for Christ. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. I'm reading from the New International Version of the Bible. This is what uh, Peter writes. He says, therefore, since Jesus Christ suffered, I added Jesus in there, it just says Christ. Therefore, since Jesus Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because he who suffered in his body is done with sin. He who suffered in his body is done with sin. As a result, he does not live the rest of his earthly life for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. For you have spent enough time, you and I have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. They think it strange that you do not plunge with them into the same flood of dispensation, and they heap abuse upon you, or heap abuse on you. But they will have to give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. First Peter chapter 4, verses 1 through 5 from the NIV. The sermon topic for this morning, part one of this series, the sermon topic is don't turn back. Don't turn back. Peter is um, a name that most Christians and even a lot of unsaved people are familiar with if you know anything about the Bible at all. Bible scholars and Bible critics know that name, Peter, as I said, and Peter was one of the 12 men that Jesus handpicked to walk with him during his three years of public ministry. Peter was a fisherman when he met Jesus. That's what he did for his living. In time, Jesus transformed Peter into a fisher of men. Now, he was a fisherman. He was a man who caught fish for a living. But in time, Jesus transformed him into a fisher of men, of, of people. Jesus transformed him into someone who went out seeking the lost in humanity to, to bring them and draw them to Jesus. Amen. In other words, after spending uh, quality time with Jesus Christ, Peter became one of the most respected leaders in the early church. Amen. But think about this. In the years before St. Peter preached to thousands of unsaved people on the day of Pentecost, unsaved Peter was a bad man. Yes, he was. Yeah, before he was St. Peter, he was sinner Peter. He was unsaved Peter, and he was a bad man. 
Peter was walking with Jesus every day for three years, walking with him, talking with him, uh, you know, living with him, engaging with Jesus and the others for three years. But even then, Jesus at times still had to rebuke him. Some of us may be wondering, well, how could Peter be in the presence of Jesus and still sin? And the answer is simple. The same way you and I are in the, pre the presence of Jesus Christ every day. And sometimes we still sin. Amen. In his divine providence, Jehovah God, as you've heard me say hundreds of times, has given us all a free will. We can live like saints or we can live like sinners whenever we choose. And Peter was no different than you and I. My purpose today is, is not to bash Peter. Rather, my purpose is to use Peter's life to remind us that after we've been saved and converted, we must choose to honor Jesus with our lives every day. Let me say that again. After we have accepted Jesus Christ, we've humbled ourselves, we've submitted our, our will to God's will, we've asked Jesus to be our personal Lord and Savior. After we've been saved and converted, we still have to choose, we must choose to honor Jesus with our lives every day. We will have days, amen now, we will have days when we fall short of God's glory. And I'm not making excuses for me or you. We will have days when we fall short of God's glory because of this human flesh that we live in. But we've got to make up our minds that we will never turn back from serving the Lord. Peter lived with Jesus for three years but the dramatic change in his life came after Jesus died and came back to life. Ain't that something? Lived with Jesus, was in the presence of God for three whole years, but his dramatic change happened after Jesus died on that cross, was buried in a borrowed tomb, and rose again on that third day morning. And we know that that's when the dramatic change happened because in the Gospel of St. John, another one of the 12 disciples, or 12 apostles, and a contemporary of Peter, John records in uh, St. John chapter 21, verses 15 through 17, a conversation between Jesus and Peter. Now, this is after Jesus has been resurrected, and he's shown himself to uh, the remaining apostles. They were on the shore because Peter and some of the others had been out on the lake fishing that night, and when they got back the next morning, they saw Jesus on the shore. He was fixing breakfast for them. He was uh, fixing some fish. He was frying some fish for them. So Peter now and Jesus are having this conversation. And Jesus asked Peter three times. He said, uh, feed my sheep, feed my lamb, feed my sheep. In other words, Jesus lovingly commands Peter to become a leader and a teacher of the people who will give their lives to Jesus. And Peter obeyed. Jesus lovingly commanded Peter to become a leader and a teacher of those, of people who would choose to give their lives to Jesus. And Peter obeyed. Let's look at Peter's first epistle, this, this one that we're looking at this morning. According to Zondervan's Life Application Study Bible, Peter wrote this letter to the church. He wrote it to... Um, them because they were being persecuted 
both by unbelieving Jews and by the Romans. In other words, these new folks who have who became the first church on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 souls were saved after Peter stood up and preached about Jesus Christ. They were being persecuted by the same Jewish leaders, the Sanhedrin, the Pharisees, and Sadducees, who persecuted and were directly responsible for the death of Jesus, but they were also being persecuted, of course, by the Romans because they were, the Romans had, uh, were, were in control over everything, and they were pagans. They didn't believe in Jesus Christ. So these early Christians were being persecuted, and Peter wrote this letter to them to encourage them. The Romans were responsible for a lot of the great advancements of humanity at that time, but the Romans were also cruel barbarians. They were, now don't, don't get confused about it. The Romans were barbarians, and they took great pleasure, they took great pleasure in killing Christians. It's understandable that some Christians were ready to denounce their faith to save their lives. But in 1 Peter 4, verse 1, Peter reminds the saints that Jesus suffered in his body, and we must be ready to suffer too. Amen now. Peter says if we stay focused on Jesus as we suffer, sin cannot defeat us in our suffering. Sin defeat. In other words, if we stay focused on Jesus, we won't be tempted to turn back and walk away because that would be sin. If we turn around and, re, and we denounce our faith in Jesus because we're suffering, that's sin. And Peter says if we stay focused on Jesus while we're suffering, sin won't have victory over us. Amen. Peter says um, if we suffer physical or emotional pain for obeying the Lord, we have made a clean break from sin. If we stand up to the physical and the emotional persecution, suffering, pain that often comes with serving Jesus, then we have victory over sin. In verse 2, Peter says, as a result of not using suffering as an excuse to sin, and we can do that too sometimes, we can say, well, because I feel this way and this person's saying this and they, they, they don't like me in that group anymore, you know, we'll use that as an excuse to go back into sin. But Peter says, if we don't use suffering as an excuse to sin, we don't continue to live our earthly lives fulfilling the sinful desires of our flesh because we live to serve the Lord. Then in verse 3, Peter talks about spiritual maturity. He says, before we absolutely decided that we would serve the Lord, we spent too much time engaging in the sins of the flesh. Now, I could stop right there and we could spend the next uh, 20, 30 minutes, but we won't. But every one of us can think, I'm talking to the saved saints right now, the, saints, the people who are saved. We can all look back over our lives and, and think about how much time we spent fulfilling the desires of our flesh and, and, and a great majority of that, the things we thought and said and did, particularly the things we did, they were sin. Peter said we spent too much time doing that before we decided that we would serve the Lord. Amen. I know that we spent too much time in the flesh and serving our flesh and fulfilling the desires of our flesh because Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 says that the saints, you and me, those of us who are saved now, says that um, 
We were once dead in our transgressions and our sins. We were once dead spiritually in our transgressions and our sins. But then in Ephesians 2 verse 4 it says, But because of his great love for us, Jehovah God, who is rich in mercy, this is is what he did. He made us alive with Jesus Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace we have been saved. God loved us so much that he showed us grace so that even while we were yet in sin, he made us alive in Jesus. How did he do that? Are you saying we were, we were saved while we were sinning? No, he's saying that when we decided to stop sinning and to give our lives in Jesus, then he immediately, God the Father, immediately made us alive with Jesus because Jesus had died for our sin. And so our, our, by his grace for us and our faith in Jesus, we overcame those transgressions of the past. Those sins were forgiven. They were, they were completely taken away from us as if they never happened. That's what the Bible says, and I thank God for it. Remember this, everybody. Christians don't have the right to think that we're better than unsaved people. I say that often because, I, first of all, I need to remind myself when I look cross-eyed at somebody and I start getting a judgmental attitude about the way somebody's talking or the way they look or, or something they may be doing in their lives, and I want to point a finger and say, man, look at that. Don't they know any better? No, we don't have any right to think that we are better than. We're in a, we're in a corrupted human body just like those who are unsaved. But by God's grace, we are better off than unsaved people. What does that mean? That simply means we are in a better position with the Lord spiritually than unsaved people, only because we've submitted our lives to Jesus Christ. That's the difference in us and unsaved folks, church family. Let's just be for real about it. We've submitted our lives to Jesus and his authority. We've recognized that without Jesus, we have nothing and we are nothing. And our unsaved brothers and sisters haven't come to that point in their lives. And we pray that they will before they die. Let's go back to uh, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 4. Peter tells us straight up that when we choose to obey Jesus, we stop living to please ourselves. When we make that decision, Peter says, you will lose some friends and you're going to make some enemies. Now, that's not there in the text, but that's what's, that's what's clearly implied by the text. When we make up our minds to stop living in sin, we make up our minds to live for the Lord. We're going to lose some friends, and not only are we going to lose some friends, we may make some enemies. In other words, Peter says when we finally make up our minds to not live in sin, some folks that used to hang with us will now start to hate us. Amen. And I don't mean so much literally hate, and it could be that too. But I mean, there are folks who will walk away from you. There are folks who will turn their backs on you. And some folks will go even further than that. Some folks will literally start to, as we read earlier, persecute you. Some people will persecute you because you've chosen to stop living a lifestyle that the Lord says is sinful and start living in a way that the Lord says is holy. People will get mad with you because you don't come and buy no marijuana and smoke up with them no more. 
People get mad with you because you don't hang out on Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, in their house, your house, somebody's house at the bar, at the club, and drink with them too. you drunk and stupid anymore. People get mad with you because they can't call you at 1 or 2 in the morning and want to come and lay up with you when you say yes or, 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 they, or, or, or they're waiting for, they want to call you and come to your house and lay up with you and you say no. People get mad with you about stuff like that. You know, they'll start telling you, you what's wrong with you? You acting funny. You've changed who, who you think you is now. Oh, you think you're better than me. People will now. Folk will attack you on social media. Amen. Folk will talk to other people about you, trying to persuade them not to like you anymore. Folk will even try to do whatever they think they can do to stop you from advancing economically. If, if they think they can say something to somebody that can block you from getting a job on your job that you work with them, or if, if they can put something out there that might make you look bad, that might endanger your, your livelihood, there are some folk who will do that for no other reason than you are now living for the Lord and you don't hang and run and do the stuff. They, you're not trying to stop them from doing what they're doing. You're not trying to convert them. You've just simply decided you ain't going to do that no more. There are some people when you decide to give your life to Jesus and sure enough make up your mind, I'm, I'm, I'm committed to this, you're going to lose some friends, family and friends, I might add, and you may even make some enemies. That, that's just the way it is. But, but I want you to know this. When people turn against us because we choose Jesus over them, don't worry, be happy. When people turn against us because we choose Jesus over them, don't worry. It may hurt your feelings. I, I, I get it. it. Yeah, it will probably hurt your feelings depending on who it is and how tight y'all were and how y'all used to roll and y'all were ride and die and all that stuff. But don't worry about it. Be happy. Why? Because the very first of all the Psalms, Psalm number one says, the Lord himself blesses us when we do not hang out with and when we do not take advice from sinners. Amen. The Lord blesses us. This is all in Psalm number one. The Lord blesses us when we do not allow scornful people to influence us. Who are scornful people? Scornful is just another name, word for negative. And in the common vernacular, we're talking about haters. See, haters will try to get you to adopt their mindset. So whatever they hate, whatever they think is right and wrong, they want you to be part of their group and to agree with them. And they love it when, they, when you let them influence them to see things their way. But when you start saying, no, nah, I don't agree with that, I don't see it like that anymore, now you got a problem. When people get mad with you and turn their back on you because you choose Jesus over them, don't worry, be happy. You got some blessings, some shown up blessings coming your way. In fact, Galatians 6 and 9 tells us, let us not become weary in doing what is good, in doing right, in living holy, in trying our best to obey God. Don't get, don't get, so, don't get depressed and heartbroken and tired and, uh, of trying to do what you know is right. Listen, for at the proper time, in God's own timing, we will reap a harvest. That simply means he's going to reward us if we do not give up. Glory, hallelujah to his name. If we just won't give up, 
if we just won't give up. Peter is telling us that no matter what it may cost us, when we're walking with Jesus, don't turn back. Verse 5, the last verse of this particular scripture we're using today. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 5. Peter says, people who are willful sinners don't know that at the end of their lives, whenever that may be, the Lord Jesus is going to judge them for how they live. And he's going to judge you and me too now. That's not just sinners, that's the saints too. He's going to judge us for how we live. But those who are unsaved and they're living in willful sin, they know they're wrong and they just do it because they can Listen, Romans chapter 14, verse 11, Jesus himself said these words. He said, as I live, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God the Father. The fact is, Jesus will judge all of us and he will already know how we live without us saying one word. God's judgment for unforgiven sinners will be swift and it will be severe. God's judgment for unforgiven sinners will be swift and it will be severe. Romans, excuse me, I'm sorry, Revelation 21, verse number 8. The Lord says, But the cowardly, the unbelieving, that means unsaved, the vile, wicked people, the sexually immoral, whether you are straight or gay, if you are doing things God says is wrong when it comes to sexual morality, you just wrong, period. There's no compromise. There's no spinning it. There's no trying to make it be better because that's the way you want to roll. If you're wrong, you just wrong. He says, those who practice magic, the idolaters, idolaters are people who worship somebody or something other than Jesus. He says, and all liars, their place will be in the fiery lake burning with sulfur. This is the second death. You're going to hell, straight up. I'm not saying it as anybody who's risen above anybody else. I'm just telling you, I just read to you what it says in Romans 14, 11. If you are in that category, you are an unforgiving sinner when you, de- when you die. And then the Lord gave some very specific things that, that we as human beings do. He says, when you die unforgiving, you're going to hell. You're going to, you're going to the fiery lake that's burning with sulfur. That's the way it is. Amen. And then if that's not enough for you, listen to 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 17 and 18. Just a few more verses over from where we are right now. P- Peter wrote, for it is time for judgment to begin with the family of God. And if it begins with us, what will, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? For unsaved folks, listen to this now. And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? If it's hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? On our judgment day, Some of us will be crying, we'll be begging, we'll be pleading for mercy, but it'll be too late. As I close, I want to encourage anyone who's not saved to get saved. Swallow your pride, ma'am. Swallow your pride, sir. Stop depending 
on your human intelligence and your abilities. Because whatever you have, it comes from God. Stop believing that your family name or your wealth is the key to your success. It's God who gives you the ability and the power to obtain wealth and, and to be successful in life. Give your life to Jesus Christ. It's the best decision you will ever make. If you've already given your life to Jesus, don't turn back. I've told you before, it, it doesn't matter which political party is in control in Washington, D.C., Raleigh, or Jackson, North Carolina. Jesus Christ is still the King of Kings. He's still the Lord of Lords, and he is still in control. Whether anybody likes it or believes it or not, that's just the way it is. As long as we live, as long as we live, we should do our best to trust in the Lord with all our hearts and lean not into our own understanding. If we do that, then the Lord Jesus Christ will make a way somehow. I can't tell you how he'll do it for you, when or where he'll do it. I just know that if you trust him and do your best to obey him, he will have your back and he will make a way for you somehow. No matter what happens with COVID-19, the economy, no matter what the so-called social influencers or race haters may say, no matter what they may do, we will have victory over our circumstances if we trust and do our best to obey Jesus Christ. In 2021, we who are saved, the saints of God, we should make up our minds that we're going to live for Jesus no matter what, and we're not going to turn back. Don't turn back. Time is shorter than what we may believe or know. The Lord could crack the sky and come back for the rapture anytime. Don't turn back. You may be closer to that breakthrough that, that you've been praying about than you know if you'll just keep trusting him and doing your best to obey him. Don't turn back. That situation that seemed hopeless, the doctor said there's nothing else we can do. You don't know, but tomorrow may be the day the Lord decides to step in and perform a miracle, proving once and again that he has the last word, not the doctors. They tell us the best they know from what they know. They do the best they can, but they're not the final authority. They don't have all power. Jesus does. Don't turn back. If you're walking with the Lord Jesus, don't turn back. And he can help us not to turn back. Because he has all power. He can keep us, bless us, protect us from ourselves if he needs to. God knows I pray that prayer a lot. Lord, protect me from me. I don't have to worry about the devil or folk. I just got to deal with Edwin and Edwin's mess. Lord, protect me from me. And he will. I'm a living witness. He's not a respecter of persons. He'll do the same for me as he's done for others. He'll do the same for you. And I have many, many brothers and sisters in Christ who are living witnesses and can also give you that same 